Well, I want to talk to you uh, this week and next week on the subject of sexual temptation. Yes, it's amazing. And as a matter of fact, I took the word temptation, and for each letter in the word temptation, I came up with another point. Sometimes my creative power just overwhelms me also. So I, I can understand where, why you might feel a little overwhelmed right now. So we're going to talk to, together on this subject of sexual temptation. This is a real deal. This is something that uh, we uh, face, we battle with. There's all kinds of confusing messages that come at us from many different sources. And so I'm, I'm opening, I want to open up this subject. And then, and then also I, I want to start out, and this isn't in your notes, but I want to start out and talk to you a little bit about how do I know whether I'm just struggling with normal sexual temptations that everybody faces, or whether I've got some kind of a problem. That is, maybe I'm a sex addict, or I've got some kind of issue that is more than just normal temptation. How do I know my, you know, which situation I'm in? I've tried to, I tried to process this a little bit, and I want to give you just some some tips that I've seen in my own personal life, but also in the lives of others that I've worked with over the years on how to discern the difference between sexual temptation, which is common to man, we're all dealing with, and some of us who are facing some uh, stronger battles, certain kinds of addictions and brokenness and things that we're dealing with in our lives and in our hearts. Okay, so you ready to go with me? Okay. Here, here's, here's some thoughts. This isn't in your notes, but you might, you might want to uh, write these, these thoughts down. Uh, how, how do I know the difference between the normal battle and the sexual addiction battle? First of all, if you are trying to get from sex what it was not meant to give you. Um, this, is a, this is something that if you've participated in any kind of recovery, that is maybe you were a drug addict or you were an alcoholic or you had any kind of issue like this, one of the um, uh, little slogans, little, little statements they'll make is a statement that goes like this. If what you want is not what you need, you can never get enough of it. Okay, listen now. If what you want, you might want to write it down, is not what you need, you can never get enough of it. If what you want is food, but what you need is comfort, it doesn't matter how much food you eat, you will never get enough of it. You, 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 that, that this is, the, this is the, one of the foundations for addiction. And anybody who's been through recovery has had to face this question. If what you want is not what you need, you can never get enough of it. If what you want is a, is a, uh, a, a drink, alcoholic drink, but what you need is emotional healing, it doesn't matter how much you drink, you will never get enough of it. it you'll be, you're trying to fill a hole that you can't fill. Uh, if what you want is sex, but what you need is a sense of worth and value, personal worth and value, it doesn't matter how much sex you have, you can never get enough of it because it doesn't meet that need that you're dealing with. So if you're trying to get from sex what it was not meant to, to give you. I, you know, for me, I, I had to process some of this kind of stuff for myself, some some understanding uh, that I had. 
And uh, so if I take a circle here, we got a circle, and then we got a piece bit out of that circle, okay, right there like that. So here's our, here's our circle. The, the circle should be going, you know, like this down, but there's been a hunk bit out of it. This, this actually is kind of a picture of all of our lives, right? There's a circle there, but there's been something that has been, been taken out, something that's been broken in some kind of way. Uh, you know, for me, I came, it took a while for me to understand it, but, you know, I came from such a crazy background. And, you know, you don't, even, you don't have to come from a crazy background to still have brokenness in your life. Let me say that to you. You could have had a perfect, because you got to remember, all of us are born what? What are we? Sinners. All of us are born sinners, right? So we, we start out with a distorted perspective on things. And you can even be in a healthy family and still come away with broken places inside your life. So I'm not speaking just to you now if you came from a craziness like I did, but I came from, you know, craziness. It was, it was, my, my family was, was messed up. And, 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 um, and out of that experience, my parents separating when I was little, my mom was kind of a bit of a wild woman and, and a little crazy, and I was living with her, and, and uh, at one point she, I don't know if she was wanting to punish my father or something like this, but she decided she was going to send me to my father uh, and uh, kind of punish him with me, you know, for, you know, you take care of him for a year, you know, and, uh, and, and, and it was just, it was just, and I, I, and then when I got sent there, he sent me to a foster home, you know, and I lived in this foster home, and the foster home was abusive, the people would lock me in the closets, or they put me under the bed, and, you know, if I, if, if I was messing around or something like that, I had to be under the bed, and it was just, it was just whacked, my childhood was so whacked out, and, and out of that whole experience, I ended up coming away with something, something that wouldn't have been probably immediately identifiable. And the reason it's not immediately identifiable is that we always fill our broken places. What I'm saying is you fill it with something, but you just don't fill it with the right thing, right? And, uh, and, and my broken place, my broken place was this, just this feeling of, you know, just that maybe there was something about me that wasn't lovable, uh, something about me that uh, that even my parents didn't necessarily even like to be around me, and uh, and so somehow I, it, it, you know, when you get these kind of things inside yourself, they're secret things, and they're deep in your soul, deep in your in your spirit. And if you had asked me that, I probably could not have articulated that to you. I could not have said it to you. But after years of processing and trying to wonder why I reacted certain ways in certain situations and what, why certain things, I finally came to this realization that I had this, this hunk bit out of me, this, this piece. And it was the, the, the part that was bit out was this feeling of security that I was um, that I was lovable, that I, I, I could be loved, that, I, that God, even God, you know, uh, that I could be his favorite, that he could, he, that I could be somehow special in his eyes and, and this kind of thing. But definitely when it comes to people, I, did, I just felt like it just, it just was not there. And I could go through a lot of things that were not even with my family, but things that were in that way. And I'm sure if we were to take time right now and tell stories, some of you would have much more dramatic stories 
than my story and tremendous pain in some of your lives and experiences and the things that you've walked through. Uh, sometimes you've been good enough to share those kinds of things in, in applications, for example, when you came to the school, in which case I might have read it and heard, you know, so I know, I know the kind of people that are sitting in this room. I know the pain, I know the hurt, I know things that are happening. This is all of us, all of us that are making a difference in the world, we all have this, right? And so what happens is you, you need to fill this. And for me, I filled this with one of the ways I filled this, and this was even after I was a believer, I filled this with um, my family, basically. And, and so I said, okay, okay, you know, um, my family, we're, we really love each other, and we're going to really be together. And my wife and I, both of us came from broken homes, and we said, you know, we're going to be like Adam and Eve. We're going we're gonna to build something new here together, you know, and something very strong, very powerful. And, and so, so I filled this hole inside of me with family, you know, you might say family love. You know, man, we, we just love each other. We care for each other. We're together in this thing. We're, we're going for it. My family has a very strong emphasis on that. But the problem is you can't fill this with family love. You can't fill it with anything human because the problem with anything human is that it, it's up and down, Right? So if something happens, my wife and I have a fight, what happens? All at once I'm broken again. You know, I remember one time my daughter, you know, my, my daughter was reaching her teen years and, and uh, I, I think I went to give her a hug, right? I went to give her a hug and all at once my daughter, uh, my daughter was like kind of shrugging me off, you know, no dad, you know, kind of pushing me away kind of a thing. And the mature response that I needed to have with her at that time was to be able to say to her, honey, listen, it doesn't matter whether I hug you or not. You know your dad loves you. I'm always on your side. I'm always with you. You know, stand with you. But when she shrugged me off, it, it like, it went right into this area. You with me? And bam, I'm like going, I'm going, oh, yeah, you know, that's the way you want to be. Okay, you know, we'll see about you, you know. Well, you know, next time you want to borrow the car, see what happens, you know. You're not borrowing the car, you know. And, and, and instead of having a mature response, instead of being a father in the situation, I allowed her teenage angst to touch me, you see, at the core of myself, because it touched me in this area of, wow, you know, maybe family love isn't really going to work out for me, you know, kind of a thing. Am, am I, is this making sense to you? Okay, so, so <clears throat> this is where Jesus becomes so important. And we use terms, we use expressions like, Jesus is my healing. And, um, and, this is what this means, because when I make a connection with the Lord, and I see him as the one who fills this, this thing gets filled with Jesus, right? As long as I stay filled with Jesus, I'm healed. What I would like to have happen is for Jesus just to go, Mike, you got, you know, you obviously had a really broken psyche right here, really broken situation. I'm just going to, 
I'm just going to fill that in back for you right now. You're just going to be a whole person. It doesn't matter whether you have Jesus there or don't have Jesus there. I've just filled you back in again. I've made you a whole human being. Are you with me? That's what I would like to have happen. And sometimes that's what we think happens. Sometimes we think that, you know, we prayed and we touched the Lord and we experienced some measure of healing. And we think the healing is, is like a done deal. But the healing is not a done deal. The healing is directly, is directly the result of Jesus being, uh, you know, your relationship with the Lord and your connection with the Lord and your wholeness with the Lord, you know. So this is how I was able to, when, when I began to see these things happening in myself, even as an adult, right, and I began to see that, you know, hey, my, my life is like a, like a minefield. If somebody accidentally steps into this area of brokenness inside of me, all at once it's like, whoa, this, all this reaction, emotional reaction erupts and all kinds of things happen. And I finally came to the place that I realized, you know what, I can't get the love of my wife, I can't make the love of my children, I can't make the love of people. I can't make men's applause. I can't. I cannot make anything that's rooted in humanity fill this hole because the moment it gets threatened, I collapse. You with me? This thing has got to be filled with something that cannot be moved. That it's that that if I'm threatened, it cannot. It, it, you know, it's threatened. It can't. It can't be threatened. Basically, you see. And so, it, what is that? It's the Lord. And as long as I maintain my relationship with the Lord, when you interact with me, you are interacting with a whole person. Sometimes when people find out uh, a little of my background and my life and stuff like that, and they look at my family and they look at everything, they, go, they, they look and they go, how in the world did you ever turn out you know, anywhere near you know, okay, you know what I mean? You were so messed up. How, how, would, you, how would you ever, how did that ever happen? How did you, your family is like awesome. How did your family ever become like this and get the vision and get the heart they have and all this? How, how did this thing happen? Well, the way it happened was by me becoming a whole person, by having Jesus in that place in my life. And then I could love my kids, even when they didn't love me or reacted somehow. I could love my wife even when everything wasn't so perfect in our relationship. I could, I could continue to function as I could have a mature response in a difficult circumstance, even if that seemed to appear to threaten the issue of, you know, am I a loved person? I could still respond because, no, I'm, my wholeness was in Christ. And this is why we need to preserve our relationship with the Lord. When you preserve your relationship with the Lord, you're, you, 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 you are filling in that broken place inside yourself, and it's what enables you to function as a whole person and to make an impact in other people's lives and touch people and do the things you want to do. This is why when you use your imagination and you look at yourself, often you look at yourself and you say, I'm not going to be able to accomplish that much. I'm not going to be able to do. I'm not going to make a big impact. I'm not going to do something powerful and affect people's lives. and this kind of, that, That's not going to happen through me. Why? Because you're so aware of the missing piece 
And you're just saying, I can't fill that thing up. It doesn't matter what I do. You can fill this up with alcohol. You can fill this up with sex. You can, you, you can fill this up with all kinds of bizarre activity. But if what you want is not what you need, you can never get enough of it. You with me? And this is, where, this is the way people get stuck in a rut. You know, I heard a person say one time, talking about a rut, he, says a, he said a rut is a grave with the ends knocked off. You know, you get stuck in a rut. The reason you get stuck in a rut is because you haven't put Jesus into that broken place in your life and in your heart. Okay. I don't know if, if you're with me or not, but I'm going on. Okay. If you are willing, here's another, uh, another way you can tell whether it's an addiction versus just a temptation. If you're willing to take high risks for the behavior, right? If you're willing to take, like, if you have a behavior, all of us have temptations. Should I do this, do that? Should I say this? Should I do that? But if you are willing to take very high risks for the behavior, that's one way you can, you can come to the realization that this is more than just a simple temptation. There may be something more behind this kind of thing. I remember a pastor that I was friends with, and uh, it came out, you know, that, that he is using the church computer to seek out uh, pornographic stuff. And then so somebody goes in to use the church's computer and they, you know, hunt around and bam, all once they find that, well, where, what is all this, you know, and he's the only person that has access. And so it all comes out that he's got this big pornography problem and he's using the church computer. Now, right away, I say to myself, the guy, this is more than just sneaking a peek at something, you know, looking through the knot hole in, a, in, in, in the fence or something. This guy has got a big problem if he feels he's, he's gonna, I'm going to use the church's computer. Are you with me? Right? That's a high-risk venture that's happening there. Um, okay, here's another one. If you're willing to compromise your testimony for your behavior. You know, if you're willing to compromise your testimony for your behavior. You know, there were times when I've struggled with pornography in my life, and uh, of course, the delivery system pornography uh, for pornography has dramatically changed uh, now. It used to be years ago when I was uh, younger that, uh, you know, probably the primary way you would get easy access to pornography was a magazine. You know, you'd get a Playboy magazine or some kind of thing like this. And, um, and when I was in battle in this area, I, 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 one of the things that kept me from going after it was I said to myself, you know something, if I go up to that person at that counter and I buy this magazine, I will never, ever be able to witness to them for Jesus Christ. That is, as far as my ability to influence them for Christ, it's gone, right? I'm not saying they're never going to be reached. But in terms of my ability to influence them for Christ, it's gone. And the thing that would keep me from going down that path was I would just say to myself, I couldn't live with knowing that there was somebody that I had shut myself off for, that I had shut off my ability to be able to talk to them about Jesus Christ. And so if you, 
you know, if you're willing to compromise your testimony, make it so that there are people that you can't talk with because, you know, you started going to this, uh, to this uh, dance place or this other kind of thing that is, and when I'm talking about dance place, I'm talking about sexual stuff and things. And you know, when I, once I go, if I go into that place, if I go to this, to this situation, I've lost my ability to, to basically speak to any of these people. Right? And you're willing to do that, then I would say, okay, you're, you're tipped over here. You've you got something significant that's going on that we, needs to, we need to tackle and we need to go after. Okay, here's another one. If you're unwilling to confess your battle to someone in authority outside of your spouse and immediate family. If you're unwilling to confess your battle to someone in authority outside of your spouse and immediate fam- family, then I would say probably there's an issue there. If you, if you don't have that ability to just go to somebody, hey, look, I'm you know, somebody that, in authority, and say to them, you know, this is something I want to be held accountable for. I'm battling with this. You know, stand with me in this thing. Here's another one. If you are powerless to control your behavior. Um, Paul says it this way in 1 Corinthians 6, 12, and 13. He says, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are profitable. He says, all things are lawful for me, me, but I will not be mastered by anything. If you've got anything that is mastering you, you're powerless to deal with it. You, you, you know, it's, like I say, it's one thing to have a temptation or something you're dealing with, and we all stumble and fall in many ways. But if you've got something that basically has mastered you, then you know right away, okay, this is something that is a little deeper, and I've got I've to go, go after this. So these are just some thoughts to kind of help you. We'll go on here and, um, and look at, uh, at these keys to avoiding sexual temptation. Number one, okay? Number one is touch in your notes. Touch, 1 Corinthians 7.1. Now concerning the things about which you wrote, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. The root of this word touch here means to set on fire. Uh, Touching is one of the most powerful acts of communication a human being is capable of. And this is why touching is so important in family relationships. Touching communicates love and it communicates blessing to, to a person. One hospital study that was done, they, they uh, had the doctor go into the patient's room and while the doctor interacted with them, usually doctor, if, you, if you've been in a hospital ever before, doctor comes in usually once a day and just kind of touches base with you. And what they asked was, they said, when you talk to the person, the patient you're talking with, I want you to put your hand on them and tell them what you're going to tell them. And then with another group, they said, when you go in and talk to the patient, don't touch them at all. Just tell them what's on the thing. Then they came back to the patients and they said to them, how long was the doctor with you? To ask the patient, how long was the doctor with you? And those that were touched felt the doctor was with them twice as long as those who were not touched. That was the the impact. It's a very powerful, touch is a very powerful uh, thing. And, um, and, you know, we can't just, you know, kind of blow it off, take it lightly. We need to be uh, careful in in our relationships. Now, touch is so powerful. I 
I, 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 I touch people, you know, um, when, it, when I'm uh, in the office, it's not unusual for me to walk by somebody and just put my hand on their shoulder for a moment, or maybe I got to squeeze by, I'll touch them for a second as I go by, give them a little, you know, you're doing great, you know, give them a little squeeze, you know, that kind of thing. I, I'll do that kind of thing in what's happening, in, 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 in what I'm doing, because touch is a very powerful, it's a very powerful thing in terms of communication, right? But you know immediately there's a problem if you begin to anticipate the touch of a person. Okay, so what am I talking about? So uh, you know at church, uh, usually there's uh, one moment where the uh, pastor says, uh, says, hey, turn to the people around you and just give them a hug right now and, and bless them, you know. And, and so you come into church specifically trying to get yourself positioned so that when the hug time comes, you got the right person to hug. Are you with me? Right? That is, that, see, once you see that, what started out as just a healthy thing, let's, you know, greet one another, let's hug each other, isn't that great, you know, bless you, has turned into something else. And this is why when you're dealing with sexual temptation, it requires tremendous honesty from you if you really want to do battle with it. Because you cannot, because... Real sexual temptation doesn't exist only in the realm of what is seeable. It exists in another realm of motivations, right? Things that are going on inside your head and what's happening inside of you. But the moment you begin to anticipate the touch of a person, you, you've got a problem. Sometimes people think of me, I told you that I touch people and stuff like that, um, and I do. But sometimes people think of me as standoffish. You know, sometimes I'll go someplace and, and uh, uh, a woman will come up to me and I'll put my hand out to shake her hand. Oh, I don't shake hands. And she, you know, throws her arms around me and gives me a big hug, you know, kind of a thing. And, uh, and, and I don't want anybody hugging me. You know what I mean? I don't want, it, I, when I say not anybody, I don't want women hugging me. And I definitely don't want women hugging me that I want to have hug me. You get what I'm saying? In my head, if I'm saying to myself, you know, this is, I'm anticipating something here. This is something that I'm longing for. This is something that I want. I have, I'm being honest about what's happening. If, if that is happening inside of me, then I know right away, okay, some, I'm, I'm, I'm goofed up in my thinking here, right, with, uh, in relationship to this stuff. So touch is very powerful, and you need to be careful. You know, um, we have a, uh, a thing that we that we, we talk about here at Elam, you know, at the school, too close, too soon, right? Some of the rules we have, let me, let me I'm, just, I'm just opening my heart up here. This isn't really in my notes or anything. I'm just trying to help you understand because sometimes you don't understand what's going on. You're thinking people are whacked out that are dealing with you, right? Elam is a very weird environment, right? In this way, let me explain to you what I mean. When it comes to relationships, if you decide, oh, this girl, oh, we really like each other. This is awesome. And so you like each other, and you say, okay, well, well, let's sit next to each other in class. And so you sit next to each other in class. Great, no problem. Let's sit together at breakfast, lunch, and supper. And so you sit together at breakfast, lunch, and supper. Let's, let's do our homework together in the library. So you do your homework together in the library. Listen to me right now. If you were in a regular world, right, 
you'd be lucky to see the person two, three times a week, maybe, if you were really, things were really going. Now you are with them morning, noon, night, evening, every day, all day. You see them more than I ever saw my wife after we got married. Are you with me? After we were married, sleeping next to each other. We, you, you see them more, you are with them morning, noon, and night. And so it's just a very simple principle. If you get two people who have some attraction to each other together, and you allow them to be together all day, all evening, all the time, eat together, you know, you know pretty soon she's doing his laundry, you know, you know. If you allow this to happen, these people are going to end up in bed together. It does not take, it's just, you know, they've done scientific research and they basically said, you know, they've done research. They say, how many hours is it, somebody's with somebody, when you're with each other hour after hour after hour after hour, how many hours of connection and talking and interacting before the thing is going to tip over into something sexual? Are you with me? So this is why when we get you all together here, we, we throw in some, some uh, speed bumps. You see? You know, we throw it because we say to ourselves, these people don't, they have no idea, right? They're coming together, oh, I like you, I like you, okay, let's hang out, we'll be together all the time. You know, they have no idea what they're playing with. And they're spending hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and hours together. You are going to tip over into something not that you maybe had any intention about, not that you, you were trying to make happen or you had some evil motivation or anything else, just by the simple not understanding that it needs to be budgeted a little bit. You know, that when I talk to somebody, you know, okay, uh, you know, a guy says to me, uh, well, we're going to get married. We're, we're engaged. Okay, good. When, when are you going to get married? You know, five years from now. I'm going... Well, we got to finish college, and I got to do this, and I got to do that, and I wanted to get started. I want to get established in my business, and I want to do, you know, five years from now, I can tell you there is no way you're not going to be in bed between now and five years from now. It's impossible. It's not going to happen. You can't spend that kind of intense connection with each other and not tip over into that world. So you have to make a decision, right? I've got to, you know, hey, look, I, you know, I like you, you like me, that's good. Okay, how do, we, how do we budget this thing out a little bit so that we end up getting to the goal at the right time? Are you with me? So that we've got enough uh, uh, capacity that we get to the, the thing we're really looking for, the, the, you know, the goal of being married. or can I, We get there on time, right? We want to peek out at the right moment, right? So that, bam, when we're together, it's, it's, an, awesome, uh, it's an awesome thing. Okay, I talked longer than I planned, but that's okay. That's why we have two weeks. So let's just take a moment just, and just pray, okay? Hallelujah. Lord, I realize that me just opening up this subject... Uh, has, has issues with it all by itself. And I just, I just ask you to protect us right now, protect our minds, 
help us to have meaningful conversations, help us to, uh, to process some of these issues, help us to think through some of these things. Lord, just help us, Lord. Just help us. And, uh, and when we get together next week, uh, help us, Lord, to, for me to be able to close the deal and help us to, to make decisions uh, in relationships, to make decisions in, in our interactions that will be filled with wisdom in every step of the way. We thank you for it, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Bless you guys. Thanks.